Hello and welcome to another episode of Talking Loyal. And tonight we're joined by special guest Adam Lafondra. How are we, Adam? I'm great, thanks. How are you guys? I'm good, mate. How are you? How are you doing? Doing well? Yeah, I'm not, not doing too bad. Um, you know, just getting fit now to get ready to go in at Hibs in for pre-season. So it's a bit of a torturous time, really. Mm. It, it's been a busy last week for you, hasn't it? Um, with leaving Sydney and then moving on to moving on to Hibs the last Friday, wasn't it, you signed? Yeah, it's um, been a real whirlwind, whirlwind, really. You know, I sort of envisaged myself doing another year in Sydney. Um, and obviously things happened and they realised, obviously, they didn't quite have the budget for, obviously, what was going on next season. So, unfortunately, that meant that, um, you know, there was no contract there for me. And, you know, in football, you just have to move on and, you know, one door shuts and one opens and, you know, luckily enough, my form's been really good at the back end of the season. And, you know, when I when I played, when I was fit this season, I scored goals. So, um, obviously, you know, Bry gave me a little, you know, message and phone call and it sort of escalated from there. And, you know, I'm really excited about this this opportunity that I've got at Hibernian because, you know, it's a, a, a first chance for me to go and play in Europe at the age of 36. So, um, yeah, really we excited. Actually... We saw that this week, I think. Yeah, you're in the qualifiers, aren't you? The Europa Conference League, so that's exciting. Yeah, the draw's tomorrow as well. So, you know, it's it's really exciting for me. I know, you know, at 36 years old, I never thought I'd get the, the opportunity to do that. You know, I played at the Asian Champions League with Sydney for, for two seasons. And, and you know, to get that opportunity to play in Europe now and I have that on my CV at 36 years old was something, you know, I couldn't pass by. I wanted to, you know... Great history from that. I don't think they've ever made it to the group stages of uh, European competition. Obviously, we need a bit of luck, but mm. um, you know we've got a great group here, and I'm I'm hopeful we can you know do well in this. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Um, are we talking to you from Scotland, or are you in? Are you in England, England at the moment? England? Yeah, the kid. The, it's just in between bedtime with the kids, so uh, <laughs> one of them's gone to bed, and then two more are just um, you know in between that. But yeah, we're, we're all at Stockport at the minute. All oh, right. Nice. Hey, do you want to start us off with a few questions? Yes. Yeah, so um, before we start the podcast, we normally start a few quick fire questions, and this one's no no different. Um, obviously, you played for a number of clubs in England, but who was the team you supported growing up? Yeah, Manchester United. I think everyone who sort of follows me knows I'm a I'm a Red. So obviously, it's not been nice watching the the last probably couple of weeks. The football mm. that's been on, that's been on, and obviously, um, who won what, but. You know, um, yeah, I'm a red and you know, fair play to them really. They've had enough enough opportunity city to win everything and you know, they did it. Um and they did it with style as well. They, they they've got a great playing squad and I think as a United fan you can only be envious of what they've managed to achieve, albeit with a lot of money, but also with a lot of class as well. And you know, the the way they play and the players mm-hmm. they've got sort of shows up a lot of clubs and United are no different to that. Yeah, nice. Um next one, do you Throughout your playing career, have you had any pre-match superstitions? Yeah and no. Um, they change, really. It depends what's successful that week. Um, <laughs> you know, one week it might be um, right route first or whatever, or the meal that I have before a game. But if I score, it'll stay the same. I think one thing that's stayed with me for probably the longest superstition-wise, I don't, I don't even know if it's superstition now, more of a habit, is that I always, when I cut my socks, I always wear them back to front. So I'm so with the Reading ones, I used to do it where 
think who were we sponsored by? It might have been Puma at the time. I think the Puma badge was on the back. So I'd put the Puma badge on the back or vice versa or what I did it with Wolves, did it with Sydney. Um, done it for probably it's must be 10 years now, I'd say. So mm. I've always done that, did it with uh, Bolton as well. Um, that's probably the only habit that I've really got is when I put my socks, I wear them back to front. Fair enough. Um, <clears throat> off the pitch to relax, would you rather a, a round of golf or a, a night in gaming? Golf all day. I do like both, but you can get sick of um, of gaming, I think. And, you know, golf's such a... You know, you're outdoors, especially if the weather. Obviously, if it's pissing down, I know I'd rather be inside. But if the weather's good, then put me on the course with a, a nice little motor caddy and I'll take four and a half hours <laughs> rolling around. Very nice, very nice. Um, Sort of related to football, but who's the best player you've ever played with? Oh. And that can be a, a name or someone you actually could be Yeah, that's what I mean. It depends, obviously, name-wise or yeah. obviously what they... Yeah, whatever... I think name wise, I'd probably Heskey or Good Johnson. I think, you know, for profile, Good Johnson, Eda Good Johnson at, at Bolton, he was about 37 at the time, 38. Obviously, he still had a touch of class, but mm. wasn't quite the player he, he used to be. But, um, you know, for the, the, the accolades he accomplished and, and, and that sort of thing, probably him. You look at Royston Tremp, obviously, mm. incredible player. Um, Alex Barm Johan at Sydney. He was played for Schalke um, through their good spell when they were incredible. Played for Bayern Munich, um, so I'd probably say them three for career-wise. I'm trying not to forget anyone. Um, yeah, yeah anyone you've... people have gone on like obviously Connor Cody, who's gone on to have a great career at Wolves. Matt Doherty, who's had a great career, obviously mm-hmm. potentially going Saudi now. Um, I think who else at Wolves. Yeah, I'd probably say say them. I think for ability wise, who have played with, um, just like raw natural ability, um, maybe obviously I've played with Ravel, um, Nick Powell, them two players, incredibly talented footballers. It, it just make football so easy. And Nick Powell's one of my good friends, and I generally have arguments with him all the time, saying you should be better, like you should be in the prem. <laughs> Like you should have played ten years in the Prem or whatever, and you know, unfortunately for him, he's had a couple of bad injuries at, at bad times and stuff, and it's probably not helped him. Um, but he's an incredibly talented footballer, and you know, six foot, fast, strong, the archetype of a footballer. Both feet can edit. Got a terrible airline, but <laughs> great footballer, like really good footballer. Um, and obviously, even in fact, going back to the other one, Harty as well. Harty had an incredible career, um, mm. and obviously great ability as well. You know what I mean? He got wonderful left foot. Um, it's, it's hard to say. Like obviously, G Mac. Like for for me, the connection I had with him was I've probably had it few and far between with with players I've played with who've um, complimented me so well. Um, and I think for that season, and more so in 14, 13, 14, um, you know, we had such a good connection that it helped bring sort of the better version of me out when I did play. And, um, you know, I'd probably say, I know it's not obviously the flashy name or anything like that, but yeah, obviously, yeah. you know, for me, getting the best out of me, I'd probably say he was one of the, the best ones as well. Yeah, no, you definitely got a, a long list of good players. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, you've played nearly 700 games. Um, have you got one favourite that sticks out? Uh, I've got a couple, yeah. Obviously, the Southampton away is, you know, probably 1A. And then I've got Bolton at home to Knott's Forest, which is probably 1B. Mm. And depending on what time of the year and what day and, and what the weather's like and who I'm talking to, you can switch them around. And, you know, they're the two standout moments of probably my career in just obviously me impacting the game, what the game meant, obviously scoring as well. And just the old, the, that, the, the entire atmosphere of the, the evening or the day, um, you know, the, the scenes in the fans, you know, them sort of things. Uh, probably them two are probably clear of more or less anything I've, I've done in football, even individually, like whatever I've done individually. They, that them achieving them them two games or you know by far and away some of the best things I've ever done on a football pitch. Yeah, I heard heard you speak about the Bolton game on a podcast run a podcast um, the other day with a Bolton it was a Bolton fan you're on with and the sound like it sounded incredible. Was it three two in the end? One one nil one all two one two all and then the winner in the last minute wasn't it to to stay up? Yeah, it was it was incredible. Um, you know. It's more like the lead up as well. We we played Burton the week before, and we could have got ourselves out of trouble, and we got slapped up three 0 So we pretty much looked relegated. Um, going into the game, I, I wouldn't say there was we were defeated, but there was like an air of let's let's see what we can do. But you know, we everything's against us here because I think Burton were at maybe Preston. I can't think of. Barnsley were playing someone or Barnsley were Preston or whoever. They, they had two pretty hard games, both of them. And obviously we, the results are flittering through to you and we went 1-0 down and the play sort of deflated. And then um, I came on, scored, just like everything just blew up. The whole stadium was incredible. Then they went 2-1 up. Then we just like deflated again. Then we get the... 88th minute equaliser and then we score in like the last kick of the game um, which was it's incredible um, I don't normally let my mum come to many games but I let her come because it was a birthday and, um, good, good game good she's game normally too. a Jonah you see so if we would have got relegated it would have been her fault but yeah, yeah. Um, she managed to be a lucky charm that day just quickly in those moments you're playing those games obviously in that game you need to win that's, that's your focus but do you realise what's going on with other games? Are you getting in bits of information or are you just focused and let's just play and win and go from there? Yeah, I think obviously starting-wise, you don't really hear about it unless, yeah. you know, the gaffer can shout on and it get passed around. But otherwise, you obviously, if there's a big noise in the stadium, yeah, you, you can sort of hear that and obviously in a break and play. But the general thing is you don't really hear too much um, and you just got to keep plowing on. The best thing to do is win, in it realistically, and cool. um, you know put the pressure on everyone else. And um, for us, we did that. And fortunately enough for us, we we managed to come through with the goods at the end of the day. And you know, like I say, it was one of the the best moments of I've ever had on a pitch. And I remember sitting down after the game with Jem, and obviously we shared a lot of good moments together. And we just sat in the dressing room, and it was just surreal. We were just like, what the. It's just happened. Literally, we were just sat there, like looking around, like, "Oh my God, what has just happened?" I don't. <laughs> we just couldn't explain it. Like we both just mm. sat there in disbelief, just couldn't explain literally what had just gone on, like two minutes before, and 
Um, just incredible. Such an amazing, you know, scene and you know, something that obviously all my kids were there as well, which were, which is special for me because I got to share that with them as well. Yeah. Nice. No, perfect. And one final question, which we'll answer at the end of the show. You, yeah. know, you, can, have, you can have a little think about it. Yeah. Um, you've scored over 270 goals, but which club has Adam LaFondra scored against the most? In England? No, all for your, your career. So have have a little think, and we'll, we'll answer it. Yeah. We'll answer it right at the end. Okay. Yeah, yeah, for, we're, for, we're all, yeah. All, all teams sure. included: England, Australia, wherever. Right. Okay. I've got an idea. I've got an idea. But I don't think I've scored enough in England. So <laughs> yeah, I know it's it's close with three teams. I think. Yeah, it is. <laughs> right. Okay. I reckon it'll be about seven or eight. Seven and six or something like that. Eight no comments. We'll, no, we'll... no comment. Yeah. We'll, Goal we'll score always know. knows. Yeah. <laughs> well, like we said earlier, but a busy well last week or so. Um, we've leaving Sydney last week and then on Friday joining Hibs. Um, yeah, like you said earlier, but how does that come about? What's the? Is it through Brian McDermott? Obviously, your close contact with him, or yeah, just just sort of explain that little story. Um. Yeah, obviously, towards the end of my time at Sydney, um, you know, I sort of thought I was going to get a new contract. That's what was sort of told to me. And then um, it just became apparent right at the end that, um, you know, financially they were not in a place to offer me one and, and probably not in a place for a couple of weeks to to do that. So um, after that, it was sort of like, OK, you know, it's time for me to sort of look elsewhere and, in the background, Brian had already sort of reached out to me um, after I played the Wanderers game and scored a header. Um, in that game, he reached out to me after that game and said, wow, Alfie, you're still looking good. How are you feeling? I was like, oh, great. Yeah, I'm really good, thanks. Then he just went, oh, can I call you? And I was like, sat up with my missus and I was like, oh, this is a bit strange. Like, I've not talked to Brian properly on the phone for 10 years, like mm-hmm. since Reading, obviously. So I was like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, sure, of course you can go, mate. So he rang me, he was just asking me how I'm doing, how's the kids, how's the wife? Um, and then he was just like, what are you thinking next season? And I was like, well, I'm definitely going to play. Like, I feel really good, I'm scoring goals. And he's like, yeah. He said, I don't see a different player from who I signed at 24, 25. Like, he's still really fit. Obviously, it just depends how you feel and stuff. And I was like, yeah, obviously, I feel great. Um, and he said, would you be interested? And... Obviously, I said, look, I'm looking, trying to secure my future at Sydney, but if something does not sort of work out with Sydney, then, you know, I'll be more than happy to to sort of listen to your proposal and, and come work with you and, and Lee Johnson. And... Oh, it's going bad. That's um, right. <laughs> uh, and come work with, obviously, Lee Johnson and, and Brian again. And, and obviously, it would be subject to, you know, speak to Lee Johnson and, and seeing what his plan was for me and, like I say, I had really good meetings with him and um, I'm really enthused about what's, you know, what's to come. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, uh done all my medical stuff and I'm really looking forward to starting, really. Nice. <clears throat> Are those medicals done? Can you get them done in Sydney? Did you get them done there and then you moved over or is that all done? when you, Did you fly over and get that stuff done? Yeah, so I, I signed everything in Sydney and then came over, went up last week and did my medical um did all that sort of stuff and signed everything off again like if, I, if we missed anything out and just had a look at a few things look around the training ground and stuff and 
Um, you know, spoke to the owner and spoke to a few people at the club, and uh, and that was it really. And you know, jobs jobs are good, and you know, come back in, you know, maybe ten days time and start pre-season. We saw the announcement video with the like the use of football manager. So was that your idea, or was that them trying to put it on you? How did that? How did that happen? Yeah, that was their idea. But funny, obviously, uh, I'm a big advocate of, of FM, so uh, I think it sort of worked hand in hand and quite well with me. Um, you know, I said that to him. I said, obviously, I know Miles, mm. and and obviously, I've done stuff for them before um, when I did the, the film for them. So, um, you know, who doesn't love a good FM? You know, reveal sort of thing. <laughs> that is, yeah, very clever. Very very good. Good. Yeah, you just said like touch touching your negotiations there. They seemed as transfers go reasonably simple. Have you have you ever had one before where it's been just chaos and dragged? All throughout a month, maybe it's been a deadline day one, or it's been a summer. Yeah, summer. I've, had, I've had enough of them, mate. I've had enough of them. That I've gone through <laughs> and, you know, I've been told I'm going here, looking at houses. Then next minute, I'm not. Um, when I went to back to Bolton in League One, they I was at Wigan at the time, and prior to that window, I wanted to go back to Bolton. Um, at the time, I was at Cardiff in my final year, and I was that that summer. I was told, oh. You're going to be going to, I think it was Rangers at the time. Rangers are interested. And then they're progressing with me, agent, blah, blah, blah. Right there, not, something's, something's happened, gone wrong. I was like, right, okay. Um, now Huddersfield are interested. So I was like, okay, great. Up north, perfect. Yeah. The next minute, yeah, they're not coming in. I was like, right, okay. Then we're going to be interested. <laughs> okay. Oh, by the way, Bolton are interested. So I was like, all right, Bolton, been there, fans love me. I love playing for them. It's really close to my home. It's perfect fit. They're in League One. They've got a great squad that looks as if they're gonna go straight back up. What's not that's me scoring 20 goals, 25 plus goals if I, if I play there from the start of the season. So I'm speaking to um I don't know who it was, it was like chairman's son at the time, and he's like, Yeah, we're gonna sign you tomorrow. And this is like Bear in mind, this is about the probably about the third of August. We're going to sign you tomorrow. All right, mate. But I'm going to put off a deal to Wigan if this is the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, it's tomorrow. Tomorrow comes. Doesn't message me. It just led on. It was like two weeks mm. of that. Just right. I was like, right, no worries, mate. I'm signing for Wigan. So I signed for Wigan. Started to do okay there. Then the manager got sacked, and then just didn't play after that. So. I wanted to get out, wanted to go and play somewhere else. They come again in, in December time because they're they're close, they're doing really well, they're in the top of the league. So I'm under the same thing, can go there, I'm back in the champ within four or five months and I scored goals off the back of that. So he's, he's messaging me again, come come on Alfie, let's go. Come on, we're going to sign you first to jam. So I was like, right, okay. Bearing in mind, I signed deadline day with yeah, about yeah. four hours to spare in January. So you can imagine what my January is like. Every single day or every two days, we're signing you tomorrow. Mm -hmm. At the end of it, I was losing. I had four yeah, or five yeah. other clubs in League One trying to sign me, but I didn't really see the value in that because Sheffield were already pretty much up and second place was Bolton and might have been Scunny, who were close. And I just thought, Bolton are going to do it. I said, if mm -hmm. me playing for, being a little bit arrogant, I said, me playing for Bolton, we're going to get promoted. So I was like, right. So we end up driving to Bolton. And then as I'm doing it, I'm, part of the reason I'm joining them is because one of my good friends is there, Zach Clough. 
So I'm ringing him going, oh, we're going to play together again. And he goes, no, we're not. I said, you're coming because I'm going. And I was like, uh-huh. like, where are you off? Uh-huh. Like, yeah, I'm going for us now. See you later, mate. Uh-huh. I was like, all right, mate. Yeah, see ya. So uh-huh. then I signed there, four hours to go. Literally one of the, like when I'm trying to say to like, my missus, like, oh, babe, I think we're going Bolton again. She's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> no, babe, look, look at these messages I'm getting. Like I'm showing her everything and this just not happening. I was literally, mm. it was almost like one of the most frustrating periods for me. Yeah, like someone like that to just, it wasn't even negotiating because I was willing to take a pay cut to mm. even go there as well at the time, which I ended up doing. I ended up mm. forfeiting a little bit of money to go there to go and play. But they still couldn't get it done. It was it was ridiculous. Obviously, I you can imagine I was losing my head. But you know, once you get in the building, it's it's a lot easier from them. But the mm. time leading up, I was like, well, what I'm going to do? I can't just sit and rot here in in Wigan. I was playing like left wing or was coming on in like an eight or something like that. Which you know, obviously I'm a number nine, so mm. playing me left wing or bloody as an eight isn't really going to work. Mm. That um, conversation you had with with Cluffy about the transfer. Is that something that happens regularly with footballers? Do they talk about transfers together? Is that sort of like an unwritten rule that they don't really talk about it until signing the dotted line and then it's a bit of a shock for you, like for a teammate that you were you could be chatting all week with and then you find out on Sky Sports that he's left? Or is that something that's openly chatted between teammates? Uh, it depends on person. Like, you know, obviously different people do different things. But, um, you know, I think if you're close to someone, they generally want your advice and will talk through things with you and, and sort of tell you what's going on and, and you sort of go from there, really. I think that's norm normally, really. If you if you are close to someone, but mm. obviously if you're not, then and you're a guarded person, they're not really going to shout the mouth off, really. Mm. But sort of going back to the Sydney, when you when you initially went to Sydney FC, was that a was it just like oh, we'll just try it for a year? Obviously Australia, Sydney, beautiful place. Or was you like right? I'm going to go there. I want to be like you. You have done three, four years and turned into a fantastic player for them. Was that? Was that the plan or just like, like I said, a year sort of thing and see how it goes? Um, I was just looking for something different. I felt like I'd just come out of staying up that season with Bolton and just felt like I'd gone a little bit stale. England was um, uh, like demoralising me a little bit. I think like I was just getting to a point where I weren't really enjoying it. I was having a, a sort of in and out period um, for like the, the probably two or three years previous and just wasn't really you know I wasn't really overly enthusiastic and obviously something like that came up I was looking at America or Mm -hmm. obviously the A-League and you know Sydney came in and I sort of looked at the club and looked how successful they'd been and um, I just thought yeah this is for me I went there signed a two-year with a year extra um, looking looking to obviously stay there I thought this could be Mm -hmm. a nice you know sort of um crescendo to my career really and mm-hmm. leave like a lifelong in you know legacy of you know goals and achievements and um you know yeah I had a, I had a decent crack at it I did four and a bit seasons there I had a, a loan spell away and when COVID mm-hmm. was on and um you know really enjoyed my time there it was it was really good um, and I've, I've really you know recommended it to most players who I speak to about going out there because um I think people get a little bit sort of stuck with the idea that, you know, the football in England is the be all and end all. Um, and I think there's, you know, some great places you can go and play, you know, as long as you're willing to adapt to that culture and, you know, sort of breathe that philosophy as well. You mentioned there about the MLS and the A. Would you say they're similar sort of standards? <sighs> to be fair, I've not played in, in the MLS mm. and what I have seen. 
Um, probably say MLS is probably a little bit further down the line than than the A League, but there's a lot of you know room in growth in, in both of them. I think you've seen with the MLS, they've managed to get their recruitment really well. Um, mm-hmm. Academies are working really well for them. They they do a lot of business with obviously the South Americans and and turning them into you know they buy them for five or six million and turn mm-hmm. them into 15, 20 million pound players. So I think that's obviously how you you make them sort of situations work in Australia, uh, you know, starting now to sort of focus a little bit more on the younger players and turning them into, um, you know, academy ready or, you know, playing championship ready footballers and, and, and getting good transfer fees for them. I think that's where, you know, ultimately it lies for them in, in the way they go forward and in building their transfer market and, and then reinvesting on top of that. And, and that's mm-hmm. how you get obviously the, the better players from that, that catch up with, you know the MLS or whoever they've got their sights on. Obviously, I know there's a there's a lot of room to grow there. Being being part of it and seeing sort of the the cycle of things how it's done there. Yeah, you obviously like you said you you went to Sydney. You're now currently just signed for Hibs. Is that obviously something about your personality? Or you're happy to give it a go anywhere? You're not fussed if it's England, anywhere in Europe, or obviously Scotland, Australia. Is that yeah, just something about you? Um, yeah, I think obviously you've got to have good people. You know, I think you can sort of see that straight away with the, you know, good people and a good setup. You can sort of, you know, see what sort of plan they have for you. You know, and if you you trust them as well, obviously you've got to have a lot of element of trust there and and belief in yourself as well. You know, when I went to to Sydney, I had full belief that football would take care of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I had no dramas about what was going to happen on the pitch. It was more for me sorting everything out off the pitch that made on the pitch really easy and um well, Sydney were fantastic in that aspect. They were great with my family and my kids and helping me um you know settle really quickly and and that, you know, like I say, the football was just easy. You know, that was mm-hmm. me just going doing my job. I'm a have a kick about with my mates or whatever. So it's I think for me that was, you know, a big thing. I've turned down a lot of opportunities to go elsewhere abroad because I didn't like what you know, the, the people represented or what they, um, you know, showed character-wise and in the in the way they dealt and stuff like that. And, uh, I need something that's stable. I don't need something that's too volatile, realistically. Um, I, I lived in Sydney for about, a, I went travelling there for about nine months, but 10 years ago. And I actually saw Sydney FC play. It was around the time Del Piero was there. Um, I think Britt Emerton was there and Richard Garcia. I think yeah, he, used to, yeah. he used to play for Hull City, he played a bit for Cole United. Yeah. Um, they played at the Alliance at the time next to the SCG. Yeah. And I remember see, there was the one end, so they probably attacked it in the second half, and it was always packed. Well, they're, they're, they're like their mini ultras, and they would have, you know, like the park yeah, where that area is, and they'd have their pre match chants and have the drums and everything. Was that something that took you by surprise that, that they were that passionate that they were? Yeah, I think obviously when. Obviously, when I did look into stuff like that, I've seen obviously that they've got the biggest support group. Um, I think it's them and Melbourne Victory have got sort of the biggest group. But the Cove is, um, you know, a great a great fan base, and they really do, you know, get up for a lot of games and travel all over the country as well. And obviously, you can imagine the travel is is very expensive, but you you're very few and far between when you don't see Cove at the game uh, and there's always some sort of form of represent- representation of them and they really do uh, pump the atmosphere, especially at, at the home games as well and, and obviously in the big derby as well. They're, they're always um, really uh, boisterous and vociferous. 
Yeah, that's what, uh, like you mentioned it briefly about the away, the away fixtures and stuff. Obviously, it's probably very different now. Australia is such a, a large country. But yeah, it's like you said, do they obviously still travel or there's still fans everywhere, I suppose, in the country and support you? Yeah, of course. You know, they, they travel literally pretty much all over the country. What we do, obviously, it's very expensive as well to mm. pretty much copy what we do because it's a three-day journey, really, depending where you fl- you're flying to or or depending on, you know, if, you, if you're getting in on, on an early flight, then, then flying out on the red eye afterwards, you know, it can be really taxing. So it just depends on, on the person, I guess, and and whatnot and what they can afford to do that. But like I say, the Cove were absolutely amazing and, you know, probably the, the best fan base that, you know, is, is in Australia really for the support and the noise as well, the atmosphere they create. How, how was it living in Sydney as... Sydney F3's number nine, their main striker. Obviously, you hear horribly bad stories in England about the press. And being a footballer, you don't get any pieces, always pictures taken of you and whatnot. How did you find it over there? Were they more relaxed, just let you get on with your life? or? Yeah, funny was... enough, the first couple of years was, you know, nothing. It really, it's really nice. You know, obviously, I'm not exactly the most high-profile player in the world. Um, but, you know, even being recognised, like, it wasn't really a common thing I'd probably say more towards the end of my time I got recognized more um by people and you know just saying hello and stuff and you know, I think that's obviously part and parcel of being a footballer is you you courteous with everyone you're always mm-hmm. sort of portraying you know the Sydney FC logo or whoever team you're playing for um and trying to represent them in the best light so I think whenever fans do see you and stuff like that you have to obviously engage with them and speak to them and obviously try and give the, the best impression you can in whatever time scale you can afford to give them as well, obviously. Mm. Um, but press-wise, it wasn't really... They're, they're not really the sort of hound you, especially not the football players. They're more after the AFL and the NRL because they're more the naughty boys. Did you get into that much? Did you watch any of that or did you follow... Nah, that's not for me, that. Anything that's no. not around ball is not for me. Yeah, that's fine. That's, that's similar to me, to be fair. Any, 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 like I said, any other sports, cricket? Yeah, I don't mind a little bit of cricket. Um, obviously, I played at the SCG in my first season, so that was, you know, very surreal moment. Yeah. And playing there, so it was incredible, really. Um, but yeah, I, I do, I do like cricket. I love the Ashes, but I didn't manage to get to any, you know, that game sort of any of them games when they were over there. I think um, clash really with our schedule. We play over the summer months there, so it it clashed with whenever England were over, sort of thing. So it was quite hard to get to. Mm. Yeah, so look, on on your time in Sydney, you I think was it take you become the the second all time Sydney yeah, FC second, scorer? Was it? Yeah, pretty... yeah, yeah. I finished second. Um, I think I managed to get in front of Bobo, who who was just before me um, when I joined. So um, yeah, just a few off Roski, who's um, you know pretty much regarded as the goat at the club. So um, would have liked to have caught him. Had a couple injuries this season, last season, just gone in the season before, which. Probably took that chance away from him, obviously. But you know that's life. Uh, I can't grumble with what I did achieve there and 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 the goals I did score because you know I'm really pleased with that and I achieved a lot of good things there as well, winning you know a couple of championships and a premiership there too. Yeah, like you just mentioned, seventy three goals. I think it was one hundred and twenty odd appearances. Like I said, you won two championships there. You said this fantastic. You'd have taken that. Would you have taken that off when you when you signed? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, I would have preferred more goals, um, but obviously, beggars can't be choosers. So I'd obviously, um, you know, really happy to get 
you know, two A-League grand finals, wins, lost one grand final, uh, one semi-final. Not not a bad, you know, obviously reckoning, really. Um, mm. Potentially, we could have gone further in the last season as well, but we had a red card in the last game, which sort of changed the way the game sort of panned out. But, you know, that's life, that's football. It, it's always sliding doors moments. And um, like you say, I would not change anything that I did there for, for anything. I had a great time. Met some great people. The staff were fantastic. The club were amazing with me, and um, and you know I did I did pretty well, so I can't really grumble. Yeah, then on that, you're now sorry the seventh all time A League scorer as well. So yeah, obviously goals is one thing you definitely know how to do. So yeah, really nah, I didn't even know that one to be fair. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and talk, talk talking of goals, I think a lot of our listeners will know you from your time at Reading. And your great season you had in the Premier League when you scored 12 goals in like, 34 games and winning uh, January Player of the Month along the way. Um, where is their ward? In your house? Storage at the minute. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know what? Funny enough, that season, I got my I got my house broke into in Chinfield and the robbers or the burglars mm. looked at the award and put the award on the bed and left it open for me. <laughs> <laughs> no way. I was like, bloody hell, cheers for that. Yeah. Laughing red off. <laughs> they got away with, with a brand new car and left my yeah, yeah. Premier League award on the bed. It's funny, but yeah, that, yeah brilliant. <laughs> yeah, stuck in storage at the moment. I've not managed to uh, to pull it out yet. Uh, did you think you deserved another year in the Premier League? Was there any other after that Reading season when they went down? Was there another any other opportunities for you to play again? I think there was a couple um, inquiries for me. I think Fulham came in roughly around that time as well. Um, to be fair, the way I was told and the way, obviously, when Nigel Atkins came in, the way it was sold to me was, obviously, at that time, I was getting a new contract at the end of that season or March time that season. Obviously, Brian got sacked. Um, Nigel Atkins came in. It was, you know, I think for all the candidates, I think at the time, I was really enthused at working with him because he did great things with Billy Sharp. So, you know, I think, obviously, Billy's not too dissimilar to my stature and, and type of player. So I thought, oh, wow, this is really going to, you know, be fortuitous for me. You know, I've got great wingers here. So this is going to be, you know, a great system for me to play in. And he came in and was like, yeah, you're going to play next season. You're going to score goals. We'll sort out your new contract. And to be fair, I was I was quite happy if, just to play that next season and, and come back up. So I thought we were good enough to, obviously, get the squad to, to come back up that next season. So... I was quite happy. Obviously, if, if a Premier League team met the requirements Red and wanted, then obviously I'd be daft not to go and speak to him. Mm. Um, but obviously at that time, I don't think anyone did. And I wasn't going to go in and kick up a force because mm. they said there was a new contract coming. So I was like, okay, like, yeah, great. Let's sort of roll with that and go into next season. And and obviously, obviously, yeah, later down the line, it sort of comes out what, what's sort of happening and you know, financially where they're at. Mm. Yeah. Um. In that, just a quick question on that season. Was there, was there a a, a team or a, a player you thought, bloody, oh, this is this is the real Premier League stuff. Like with yeah, this is really tough. Yeah, I think remember the the Chelsea game away when we lost three two. I think four two. Four two. Sorry, yeah. Hazard. In <laughs> Hazard in that game. Really? Oh, yeah. I've never seen anything like it. His lower <laughs> half was so big. I was like, oh mm. my god, I'm a little stick compared to him. <laughs> I was thinking, oh my god, about getting the gym rapid because I uh, easy. <laughs> and then we yeah, played. 
Arsenal at home when we got beat 5-2. Mm. I, I think I scored well, Cazola in that game. Got a hat-trick, didn't he? I was like watching him. I was just like, oh my God. Mm. He's so technically good. Mm. He's taking the mick and he's not hardly running. Just both mm. foot taking the mick, just manipulating the ball in ways that I didn't know was possible. And obviously, like the obvious ones, David C- uh, Silva, Michael Carrick, um, Rooney, Van Persie. Uh, I'm about a bit of a fanboy here, but like, yeah, yeah, no. Aguero, well, like, I love, I love Aguero. Mm. Yeah, babe. <laughs> this is making it a bit water. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, Aguero, Torres, um, you know, the sort of players who like, I idolised watching them sort of five years ago when I was in League Two. And you watch one match of the day or whatever, and you're like, bloody hell, I'm rubbing shoulders with me, I'm shaking hands. Yeah. With me. And now like, you're playing the same pitch, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's what yeah. I was thinking. Like, you're, you're a professional footballer, you made it to the Premier, you're obviously a brilliant player. And then you're looking at Santi Cazorla, Torres, and you're thinking, how the hell am I getting yeah, close to these people? Like, literally yeah. thinking we're on the same planet, but yet so far apart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's incredible when you see them sort of players up close. I think Matter as well in in a home game. Obviously, I know we came back in that game, but he was a joke in that game as well. Did you swap shirts of any of them players that you just mentioned there? I I wasn't really a big shirt swapper. I did it with my friends a lot. But the only two I did get was Torres and Aguero. When we played City away, um, when he came off the pitch, then I didn't, I didn't get on the pitch and I was at the tunnel and I thought, oh, bollocks, I've got to get his shirt. Like, I don't care what we... I think we... We lost last minute. I think someone scored an edder. I think Gareth Barry scored an edder. Mm. Try, and look, try and look for it here. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we lost 1-0. And I was thinking, oh, I'm going to have to get this shirt rapid. And I hide it. And <laughs> I, I, was, I wasn't really like a collector, but mm. seeing him coming off, I was like, oh, please, Sergio, give me a shirt. And he was like, <laughs> yours. I was like, come on, mate, you don't want my yeah, shirt. Yeah, yeah, you don't need, yeah. <laughs> so it's like yeah. I got the golden badge because that's when they won the league the year before and stuff like him and then I got obviously Torres' shirt. Like they're the two that um I did go to get. But other, other than that, I didn't really I didn't really want to be like fanboying everyone running after yeah. shirts and stuff. It wasn't really um my scene. I probably wish I did now, looking back, but it wasn't really the sort of thing I wanted to give off that I was in in awe of them. Because mm-hmm. I certainly wasn't. I I felt like I could hold my own and obviously yeah. that's why I was scoring goals. Um but obviously, you know, they're players that are unbelievable. And, yeah, uh, of course. Maybe I wish I did get a few more shirts after all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dur- during that um that hot streak in January, was there any talk of England call-up or anything like that? Or did, it, did you hear any rumours? Yeah, well, time? I sat down with Bri, actually, funny enough, and he said, oh, um, I think it was Hodgson at the time, and Lewin- Ray Lewington, I think was his assistant, rang up Brian and said, you know, what do you think? Do you reckon we get him in and stuff? And Briar was like, yeah, definitely. I think you should, you know, get him in, have a look at him. I think he can definitely do what he's doing for me, for England. And, mm. um, you know, obviously we'll, we'll see how it goes. And then obviously, I think it was, I think Defoe dropped out of the squad not long after that time there. And um, there was a little bit of talk. I think Brian sort of said like, oh, you might get called up. And I think in the end, they put Walker up front and obviously just left me. I think it might have been, it might have been the start of Feb. And, mm. and then that was it, really. Obviously, 
I couldn't really continue that form that I, I did in, in January. And oh, I don't think I scored then until March, maybe. I think it was March. Was there, was there a goal that season you really enjoyed the most or you thought was the best goal you scored in the Prem? Um, obviously, the Chelsea ones, they obviously kind of stick out, last-minute goals. Um, scoring against United was a big thing for me, obviously, being a United fan. I was going to say, what was it like playing against United and... Yeah, that must have been a like almost like a pinch me moment again. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, like like I say, twelve months earlier, the start of the champ season, I was playing in League Two. So okay, yeah. Fast forward that I'm playing in against United, just scored against I think I don't know who it was, Marky, maybe Darren Fletcher or whatever, mm. or Johnny Evans or off a corner. I've just scored an header off a corner against United put put us in the lead. So I couldn't really write that sort of thing. That sort of thing was still like it was so euphoric. You know, and having all my family there to see that as well was such an amazing time for me and an amazing situation for me to, to sort of be in. And, um, you know, I was quite lucky that, obviously, I did do quite well in the, in the Premier League and scored some some good goals against good teams. But I think for me, probably my first goal in the Prem was was probably, and it's only a penalty, but it's probably my favourite because yeah. it was a, a complete sort of, 180 of or 360 of what I've done. Like I was, mm-hmm. like I say, I was playing against Barnet, um, scoring against them at Don Valley Stadium. Then I'm scoring in the 90th minute against Stoke, um, a pen to get us a point in, in the first game of the season. So, um, mm-hmm. for me, that was probably my favorite goal just because it was the first Prem goal, uh, and obviously my first game in the Premier League. So, that, that sort of stuff, that dream's come true. Yeah. I think Jack, you had a stat, didn't you, about a goals to game ratio that was yeah. that was, that was um, mad. I think I think we saw you tweet it as well okay. a while back, Adam. Yeah, I've not, not too bad stats really from the Premier League at, at that time. Um, I didn't do too bad. Yeah. Goal goals to minutes or something like that because yeah, we actually think, noticed that. Did you think you deserved more more starts, more minutes in that season? So, I think it was hard. I think because obviously the season before I did so well, um, doing what I did, coming off the bench, knowing my role. Um, and we got into a position where in January I was sort of assuming that we were playing four five one. I'd come on at sixty, and we'd go two up front, and you know put a little bit more pressure on teams. Mm. And you know I sort of understood that at the moment in time, if that's getting us results, I'm not going to start moaning that because ultimately I want to stay in the Premier League, and we were having great results and, and looking like we might, you know, inevitably stay up. And obviously that didn't sort of come to fruition. And I did. I, to be fair, I did. Play a few. Would I like to play more? Yeah, of course I would have loved to play more. Do I think I would have scored more goals? Yeah, of course I do. That's the sort of mentality I have. But I think I'm not the sort of person who's going to hold a grudge on that. They they had mm. plans, and I was fully invested in in my teammates, and and we all believed in in what we could do as a group to to try and stay up. I don't think it was sort of I before me. It was always you know the team mm. first, and, and that's how we were as a team. I think that was our identity, um, because we had such a great changing room. Yeah, definitely. That's a lot of, uh, we've had, like we said, a few foot, ex-footballers on and spoke to a lot of people, but that's one of the main things they say about the change room, whether a side coming up or when you win promotion or win games, it's always about the, the change room, no matter if it's, you've got Ronaldo or whoever you've got the players, they said that that group unity is, is the main thing. Yeah, I think definitely, more importantly, probably in the championship, mm. is because you play Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, the people who are on the periphery can almost be left behind and I think a good change room never leaves you know them sort of people to feel like they're not part of it I think that's what we did really well is that we had a good group of 20-22 players who 
all contributed in that season and all bought into what we were doing. Um, you know, myself included. Uh, I sort of bought into the, the super sub role towards the end of that season and mm-hmm. and knew that if we were gonna be successful, we all had to sort of succumb to what we were, we were doing. You know, Jason Roberts come in was absolutely masterstroke because he was near enough unplayable in the championship. I don't think I've seen someone bully um, defenders like that ever in my life. Um, incredible. Um, and obviously with him and Noli were, were causing a bit of murders for 60 minutes. And, you know, if we needed a goal, Brad throw me on and we'd, we'd sort of pile on. And lucky enough, the sort of chances fell to me and I managed to put them away. And, you know, I think that's sort of how we sort of all un- understood our roles and groupings as, as players, we knew that when we were called upon, we had to be ready and, and willing to do whatever it takes to win. And I think, you know, that sort of epitomised our sort of group that we had the the never say die attitude. We'd always keep running till the ninety fifth minute. You know, we'd always try and claw something back, and you know, inevitably, we'd always sort of score late goals as well. We were, were pretty renowned for that at that time. You touched on there. Obviously, the, the team cohesion was a great factor at Reading. Was there one manager that you played under that really brought out that the monks he thought he was like really good at that? Yeah, obviously obviously Brian, that's where the mm. you know, sort of the best change room I've had. Obviously, I had, yeah. a, I had a really good changing room in Sydney that I've just left. Um, unbelievable. You know, some great characters, um, really good group of people. Um, manager was really good with that sort of thing as well. And and you all sort of, you know, honest people, you bought into everything and and that's what you need, obviously, if you're going to be a successful team, you have to have every facet of, of the game sort of covered. And I think uh, with Brian, he did that. He, he knew how to manage all the people correctly. And him and Gibbo were fantastic in that aspect where he kept everyone sort of even keel. If you, like I say, if you weren't playing, he'd always be speaking to them and saying, look, just be ready. You're part of the group, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I think that's what you have to do. You have to, you know, play with people's egos a little bit and stroke them mm-hmm. if they need stroking or, you know, take them back a step if if they're not sort of contributing the way you want them to. And I think that's where he was fantastic in that aspect. And like I said, the, the previous club at Sydney as well, they had a very similar thing. And and even even at Bolton, I had a great group of people there, um, great core of, of senior pros, and when we got promoted to to League One, uh, from League One to the Championship, we had a great pros in there, and we sort of you, you sort of drive the standards, and and you're an extension of the manager, and 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 that's what you've got to be, and and you're all pulling in the the right direction, and I think that's what, for me, Brian was fantastic at, like I say, Steve Parker at Sydney was was great as well. Perfect. Nice. Um. Well, coming to an end shortly, but we'll just talk about some stuff outside of outside the pitch. Um, obviously, a keen keen golfer. Is that something you've done throughout your career? Was that something you picked up in sunny Australia, or how did no, that? I picked, it, picked it up in Reading. Um, funny enough, my missus said, "Get off the PS three." Would have been at that time <laughs> spending too much time inside gaming. So she said, "You need to get a hobby." <laughs> so I um I took up golf uh, at Reading. Started at uh, where where's the training ground now? Where, where's it called? Bearwood. Um, so not the late. I did play the late, but there was another golf course that took over, and I started right. learning there at the nine old course, and then mm-hmm. sort of just addicted to it really. Um, would you um with the lads at Reading? Do you have a particular group? Do you go out with or? 
Yeah, I'd always play with Hunty and and Feds. Uh, Feds would always get us on Bearwood Lakes, and you know I'd go and smash all the balls in the in the trees in the water. <laughs> but it's it's amazing. Like it's such a great day there. Yeah. Like, their their course is one of the best courses I've ever played as well in England. Just so good, and to get on there, it was, it was great. Me and Feds would be, and Hunty would more or less always be on there as well, which was which was you know unbelievable. Like do you know, like I say, it's yeah. to learn to play on golf on a course like that. It's, it's not very good if you're a learner, but you know, mm-hmm. scenic like it's just unreal. Did you when you're out in Sydney, did you play a bit or was that? Yeah, was I did. Yeah, I played a fair bit over in in Australia. There's some amazing courses there. There's obviously New South Wales. Um, I didn't I didn't actually get a chance to play the lakes, um, which is a is an amazing course as well. But I played a fair few really good courses over there, and um, like I say, the weather's unreal there. So, um, probably three hundred days of the year, it's it's sunny, so it's almost ideal golf condition. Yeah, definitely. You know, all year round, apart from when it's forty degrees. Exactly. Yeah. And you get when you go up to obviously Edinburgh hit, when you're playing for a burn, you fancy a few links courses up there or. Yeah, I've already started looking at a few in. Have you? <laughs> yeah, I've already. Yeah. Uh, you know, we a few and um, spoke to yeah, my mate. Obviously, I spoke to Jim Carrican, who's sort of knows a couple of lads up there and knows there's a good golf school up there. So, you know, sort of tag on and and see what courses we can get to play up there as well. Yeah, you might not have the hot weather that you had in Sydney there, so different challenges. Yeah, definitely a different <laughs> contrast for sure. Uh, I think uh, I think it'll probably be a little bit colder than Sydney, but you know I'm, I'm ready for it. And you know, quite know what it's going to entail. I know that there's no uh, sunny Bondi or or Manly yeah, yeah. or Moral coming around the corner. Believe me. <laughs> Have you got a handicap? Yeah, I'm terrible at the minute. Though. I'm not playing. Too- <laughs> my, my England golf handicap's like twelve point six, but the way so. I'm playing at the moment is awful. So I wouldn't even. I'm playing nowhere near it. Yeah. I suppose it's good, very good sport, but also very, very frustrating. Yeah, yeah. Jack, you, you play a bit of golf, don't you, Jack? I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm a mid to high twenties. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I hack it around as you say, but <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll give it a go. We'll give it. Yeah, go. I'm, to be fair, I'm hacking it at the moment, mate. Believe me, <laughs> I have to go for a lesson today just to try and sort some things out. <laughs> yeah, good, very good, perfect. Right, um, should we? You got any more, Jack? Or should we close on close on the teaser? I think, yeah, end on the teaser. Yeah. So, as we, as we asked at the beginning of the show, um, Adam, who have you scored the most goals against? Which club? Right, it's either Brisbane, Central Coast, uh, Accrington <laughs> or Barnet. What were you going to You're... What are you going for? Lock, lock us in one answer. Most. Uh, you want to wait? Sorry, take. Do you want to give him the the amount that he scored against the side? Ten goals. Ten. I believe how they've not scored ten against someone. Yeah. I'm not thinking that. Huh? I'll give you a clue. You haven't actually said it. You said two of the top three. Right. Okay. So I've not said it. You said two of the top three. I don't think you've played long enough against. <laughs> who scored that trick against as well <laughs> in England or Australia Australia unless these stats are wrong like I could I'm talking to the person who scored the goals you should can't be Adelaide 10 goals 
Satellite. Called a transfer market. Ten goals. Nine versus. I know I've scored a lot against them. I've scored near enough every time we played at Coopers against them at their stadium. Ten versus Adelaide. Nine versus Central Coast Mariners. Eight Barnet. Eight Melbourne. And eight Melbourne. Uh, Brisbane Roar, is it? Yeah. And then eight Action Stanley. I knew they'd be close with it. I knew who the English ones would be. Uh, yeah, yeah you scored a hat trick against both of them. Mm. Yeah, very good. Very good. Do you keep all your hat trick balls? Are they in storage? Yeah, they're in storage as well, though. So they're a bit deflated at the minute. They need a bit of <laughs> DLC. I don't think I'll even see the signatures on them anymore. <laughs> no, that's perfect. Um, no, thank you very much, um, Adam or Alfie, for coming on. It's been yeah, appreciate. It. Yeah, really, really, really good. Really enjoyed your time. And obviously, no, it's been really busy and busy, busy last few weeks for you. But I really appreciate you giving up your hour tonight to, to come on the show. No, no worries. Thanks very much. It's been enjoyable. I hope, yeah, you enjoy, I hope you enjoy pre-season. Is it two days' time? Uh, 27th, I go up. I'm a little bit later in than, than a few of the other boys. So, um, yeah, I'm coming on the 27th. So, I'm looking forward to it, like I say. Got to get my um, get, get, get myself going and, and make sure I hit the ground running, really, and, and also score a few goals. No, perfect. Yeah, definitely. We'll, best, we'll definitely best of be luck keeping, with your move. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll definitely be keeping tabs then, yeah. Good luck. Yes, thank you. Thank you and, very much. Thank you very much.